So, was, so it wasn't just a bone or something. It was a chicken claw. It was an intact chicken claw. Wow. Welcome everybody to the halfway there cast with Tyler and Eric. We are halfway there and we are back across the airwaves with our podcast this week. Looking forward to talk to everybody about some things going on in the world. And of course, some biblical topics, Eric, you're covering brother. I'm getting there, getting there. I'm a, you know, if I'm not off during the podcast, just, you know, keep it rolling today. Had the vid hit your house, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. Had, had the the vid. This is like the 80th time almost. <laughs> no, it, this is the third time I've had this thing over the last three three years or so. Really? See, I just think I've had it once, and it's an undocumented case because I didn't tell anybody. <laughs> Ellie, I think Ellie's had three documented. Yeah. So, well, we we certainly have experienced it here. But it, it took every one of you out this time, didn't it? Oh, man. It was the first time I had it was rough, like when it was like back in the day. <laughs> back when COVID was the thing. <laughs> back when it was all the rage. Yeah. Second time I had it, it was pretty much nothing. And probably wouldn't have even known for sure I had it if I hadn't tested. But this time, man, it's it's wiped us out. Every one of us. Well, you know, my mother-in-law got it. She's still getting over it as well. She had the flu with it. That would be that would be a, a lot going on at once. It, <laughs> how'd, she, how'd she do with that? Not well. Not well. About a week down, and I think she's a week out, and she came to a volleyball game last night and still not feeling good. I could imagine. Wore out. Mm. Wore out. So we're in volleyball season right now, as I just mentioned, with Ellie. That's I always enjoy that. I like watching my kids play sports. Um, you you'll have to uh, descend the schedule. Yeah, I'll try to. I think we're coming up that way. Sometime. Okay. Do you? Let me ask you a question. Okay. So we're both sports backgrounds. We've coached. We've done all those things. When your kids play sports and you're not coaching, you're in the stands. Are you like just? in it like zoned into it i that has been a rare thing Mm. uh, because i've always tried to coach because i've never trusted anybody else to coach yeah but there have been times i'm not and i i don't know i have to get away from all the other parents Uh, okay and like go to a corner and sit by myself kind of a thing okay well here's what i've noticed this volleyball season yeah. Well, my father-in-law, he does uh, pallet shopping. Mm-hmm. So, like, he goes to these stores that, like, buy the pallets and gets deals, kind of his hobby. Yeah. And he, he found some of those real nice, like, folded-up foam-looking chairs that you carry on your back. Yeah. And he got them for $20 a piece, which is a steal. So, he got us some of those for volleyball. And uh, the other night, I set it up sitting in it i'm not a small man you know what i mean and it has like chair handles and so i got in it and i was like oh 
<laughs> this is a little tight. Yeah. Well, I try when I go to watch the sporting events because bleachers are never comfortable. Again, I'm not a small man. I try to sit strategically where I'm not going to have a ton of people around me. Well, it happened. My wife sat on the left of me. My father-in-law sat on the right of me. Somebody sat behind me and my mother sat right in front of me. I was boxed in like a caged animal. <laughs> now I don't cheer. I don't, I don't raise my voice above just a regular talking level. I, I'm not that person. I don't want that attention. That, but yeah, I, but, that's yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, but I do, I do zero in and really pay attention to what's going on. And, and I go to sporting events just to watch. That's what I like to do. I eventually had to get up and go to the bathroom. And when I came back, I sat down from everyone else. So I'm thinking future volleyball games. I'm going to kind of do like you do. I'm going to kind of find my own spot somewhere. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a person that cheers loud either. Like, and and, and I guess it's for the same reason. Maybe I, I don't want the attention. Right. I, I don't. I don't understand all the screaming like, as if they can hear you anyway. I know. I know. And and the coaching from the yeah. bleachers and things like that, but yeah, I I just try to. Everybody's an expert at especially at a kids game. Yeah, they are. So I always just try to stay away uh, for the most part and keep quiet and just take the game in. Yeah, and I'm kind of like you. I put a high value on who's coaching my child, mm -hmm. and if I don't think there's an adequate coach, I will try to step in there and do that. You know, in the right way as a coach. Yeah. But this volleyball coach, she's good. I mean, she knows what she's doing. Uh, she comes from a Christian worldview. I don't know a ton about volleyball, so I'm going to trust her to make decisions <laughs> for the team yeah. out there on the volleyball court. I, I was sitting there last night, and I heard somebody behind me. I don't even know who it was. Like, what are they even doing out there? And I was just thinking, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's been coaching volleyball a long time. So anyway. the best coaches are always in the stands. Oh yeah, definitely. definitely. By far. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you've gave me that wisdom that you kind of go off to your own corner and kind of sit there. Cause that's what I'd really like to do as well. I don't, yeah. I don't want to come off as antisocial, but I'm telling what? you if, if they, if they surround me again, like that, like happened the other night and it was nobody's fault. I just, <laughs> I, I couldn't even watch the game cause my mom kept leaning back to talk to my wife. Yeah. And my wife kept leaning over to talk to her dad and he leaned over me. And then I don't know who was behind me, but they're, they're putting their feet, their feet <laughs> were behind me on the bleacher. Yeah. I was just like, and again, I'm, I'm about two, I'm about two fifty, and mm -hmm. I, <laughs> there was nowhere to go. And I was in that little chair. It was just uh, not enjoyable. Not, I couldn't breathe. I, um, I, I can see that. I can see that. And, you know, I, I might even, we'll see, you know, where I take the pictures now. Oh, I bet that's nice. Well, yeah, because you can just walk and stand yeah. and be away, even with that, be away from people. So I very rarely had to watch a game from the stands. I'm either coaching or taking a picture. And yeah. so, I, it's, I, yeah. It's definitely been an experience for me doing that because. I mean, we, we've talked about on previous podcasts, I've coached almost my whole life that, that I've not played. And when Elijah was in soccer, I certainly didn't coach because it was a high school level soccer. And I mean, I'd coached little league soccer, or, you know, recreation soccer, and I, I was not 
qualified and they had a good coach. I mean, he, he did always coach there at the Christian school. He was good. Yeah. It was a really new experience for me to sit on the sideline and, and keep my mouth shut sometimes. You know what I mean? Cause I, I mm-hmm. didn't want to, I never want as, as someone that has coached, I never want to exhort my opinion over the coach just out of respect of what he does, you know, yeah. or she does because they put in the time and the work and I'm just watching a game sitting there in the stands. Now, if you think back to when you played, do you, or like, could you hear the people from the stands or was that something that was always tuned out to you? For me, there could have been thousands of people at a football game and I would have had no idea what was going on in the stands. Okay. I'm satisfied that my sister Alicia was the loudest person in the stands. I I, I mean that I'm. I can remember still on senior night, of course, senior night in football, we would walk out before the game with our parents. And I can remember hearing her scream above everybody else. But during the game, when the game was going on, I did not hear one thing going on in the stands. It was like, I don't know if it was just focus or what that is, but no, I, no one, I could not hear anything in the stands. So yeah, that's a kind of a common thing I've heard. So all of the uh, coaching from the the stands and the screaming at the kids and go left instead of right and kind of like it, it doesn't affect anything. Right. Why do you think people do that? I I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't get that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't either. It's a weird thing. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I've seen the ugly side of it, I guess, and and been on the the other side, the coaching side, and I'm, I know you have too. And it's really annoying when you're coaching. <laughs> Yeah, especially, you know, like volleyball, which it's it's a sport I'm very unfamiliar with. I'm learning more and more about it. But like the they do rotations, of course, and the coach. I mean, it's strange the way they do it. They move people around to different areas and I don't understand it. And no one in the stands understands it. And they're like, you know, why are you move them up or why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I just want to turn around and say they know what they're doing. There's a plan here. Trust it. Yeah. You know, so anyways. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got several topics we want to talk about today, ending in talking about the Holy Spirit and answering the age-old question, what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? But we'll get into that later. Uh, first thing, of course, the Grammys. Did you watch it? Do you watch that kind of stuff anymore? I don't. It seems like there's something like that on every weekend. I don't know the difference in any of them. Yeah. I just know about this one because of stuff that was on X. Yeah. Did you did you ever watch that kind of stuff? No, I, I don't. Not that I remember. I think when I was a teenager, I would watch the MTV Awards. I always thought those were kind of neat. Yeah. I would watch the ESPYs, I think. As far as... But as I think I did. But as far as music and movies and stuff like that, like I... I could have never cared less about that. Yeah. Oh, did you see where our man CJ Stroud won the offensive rookie of the year? Did he? And he, of course, as he did during his interviews during the game, gave honor to Christ well, uh, in his speech, just giving all glory to him. I thought that was pretty neat. But on the Grammys, okay, Grammys, I always get the Grammys and Oscars mixed up. Oscars is movies, Grammys is music. Right. The big thing that happened, I suppose, or at least what caught my eye and your eye, was that Tracy Chapman made a return 
Did you like that one song? Give me one reason to stay here. <laughs> you sang it. You and I used to sing that song, and we sang it just like that. Well, that's how. I, 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 yeah, no, like, like, like that's what we would do. Yeah, that's the only song I ever knew of hers. Yeah, me too. But apparently, Fat a a I didn't know she was gone for her to come back. Yeah, and B Fast Car there. Right, Fast Car apparently is a huge song. <laughs> so she sang that with a guy named Luke Combs Combs who I am familiar with a little bit. Here's why I'm familiar. I, this, I was going to say this. The only award show I've watched probably in the last 10 years is this last year's country, whatever that is, because we didn't have anything to watch one night. Natasha says, oh, that's on. So we just flipped it on and watched a little bit of it. Yeah. So Luke Combs, who's a country artist, sang the song Fast Car with the return of the one and only Tracy Chapman. You messaged me or put this on the podcast and it says, I have never heard the song fast car. <laughs> everybody on the X was, well, I say everybody there. My timeline was filled up with people talking about this and I haven't, I had never heard the song that Luke Combs guy. I'd heard of him cause he had sang a song that college game day used. I can't yeah, remember that's right. which one it was. That's right. Yeah. And he, and down, he was on down there. south on you or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and he was on there once too. He's I think he's I think he went to Appalachian State. Okay. And last year when they upset two people, they had him on or something like that. I don't know. That's a random memory. Did um, he play football for them? I, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I think he was just a he went to school there. So he's North Carolina, but you know, fast car, Tracy Chapman, you still have not listened to it. Correct. I heard maybe 10 seconds of it and okay. on X. And I was like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. I listened to it on the YouTube this morning to mm -hmm. familiarize myself. It was a good, I listened to the, the version they did at the Grammys. It was a good version. Uh, it was a good song. I, uh, I don't know. It has some, I think, what I think it's about was kind of weird, but nonetheless, they, you know, Tracy Chapman brought it. She brought the, the thunder or the, the Chapman. <laughs> well, apparently according to uh, my daughter, Leah, who somehow knows every lyric to every song, okay. somehow she knew something about it. And I guess this Luke Combs guy has redone the song and th that's why it's big. Cause he's do done it the last few years. Yeah, I'd, I'd read that maybe he, when he started, that's the song he would sing. You know, when you're a band and you start, you always cover songs. Remember, like us. Kind of like we did with yeah. Nirvana. Yeah. What was our band's name again? We had Octane. Octane, but, yeah. Octane, because yeah. we were so full of Octane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, we were full of it, yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Luke Combs would, had done this song and i think it was on an album and so he got tracy out there and they did it together they sounded really good together they harmonized it was good i mean i have to say that even though i didn't really know the song but just from a quality of singing it was refreshing to hear you know nothing big i think the lights were just it was kind of dark and a few lights behind them and just two get she had a guitar and i don't remember if he, i don't think he did but you know, they sang well, and I appreciated that. I think just what shocked me the most out of all of it 
and the, the whole reason it was a a thing for me is because when I heard her name, the only like I said, the only song I thought of was "Give Me One Reason." Yeah, give me so one I was <laughs> convinced, like that was her big song. Yeah, but apparently, I've I've been hiding in the woods for twenty years or something because that's not her big song, and that just kind of threw threw me off. That'd be like me finding out that Nirvana's big song wasn't "Smell Like Teen Spirit" or something. Yeah, but you know, I've noticed that for myself as well. Kind of, I don't know my peak. Probably eighteen, nineteen, twenty, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Let's go 16, 17, 18, 19. That would have been my peak. And then after that, I hardly can tell you a musical artist that came out in that you know, time. You know, I, I think that's what happens to people is they have they peak out at their favorite time frame mm -hmm. and then they don't list the much new after that. Right. They only listen to stuff at that point and earlier. Yeah. So I think that's what happened. So I wonder when Trey, let me, let's find out. Let's just get to the bottom of this. When did Fast Car come out? It was it, in the eighties. I, oh, I saw that. Okay. Wow. I, so when did I saw that random? Yeah. It was like 89 or something. And when then did the get, give me one reason come out. That had to have been when we were middle school or high school. Cause it was something that we knew. Oh, so here's what happened. Fast Car came out before we were really into music. Give Me One Reason came out in our prime. And that's why mm. we never knew what Fast Car was. We never loved Tracy Chapman enough to go back and see her other stuff. We only liked the one song. I always thought she was a one-hit wonder. Clearly, she wasn't. Apparently, two-hit wonder. Yep. Maybe three or four. Who would know? We don't. Uh, you know what? I had a... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me there. had a class in sixth grade... It was like study hall, some sort of study hall. First thing in the morning. Yeah, but that was a blast. Well, one it wasn't too bad because one of the few things I remember about that, and I remember some things, but every morning we would watch VH1. She, <laughs> the, the teacher would put it on, and like that would be the first several minutes of class. <laughs> and, and, and that was back when they would show videos. Yeah. And that's how I was introduced to bands like ABBA, Dancing Queen, things like that. <laughs> so, but yeah, even during that, I don't remember any, any, any Tracy Chapman stuff. Uh, okay. Well, VH1, Tracy Chapman was a big hit on VH1, I believe. All right. Let's talk about another big hit. Speaking of Grammys, <laughs> people with the last name Graham, <laughs> Franklin Graham. <laughs> Let me read this Facebook post. This is bizarre. This is bizarre. And this is not an ad. No. So Franklin Graham is, I, I guess, would you almost say he's one of the most well-known pastors in America today? Yeah, surely. Yeah. Bill, Billy Graham's son. Yeah. And he does the Samaritan's Purse ministry. That's his. Mm -hmm. What's the church? Prestonwood? Is that him? Or is that Jack Graham? I don't know if he's actually even associated okay. with the church. Is I he? think that, well, I don't know. That's Jack <laughs> Graham. Okay. So Franklin Graham, here we go. <laughs> you know how I love McDonald's hamburgers. I'm excited about the, this news of their new and improved burgers. I've eaten there twice in the last week and can say firsthand that their quarter pounders with cheese are great. No kidding. The cheese is gooier. The bun is softer and the burger is juicier. In fact, 
I might go back again today. Mission accomplished, McDonald's. Good job. Now, if you'll just bring back the fried apple pies, you'll be batting a thousand. <laughs> first of all, here's my first thought. Okay, I don't know how old Franklin is, 50s or 60s, I'm assuming. Oh, no, he's, he's 70s, probably. Okay, 70s. I, I, I'd say he's around 70. Okay, so the man is eating a double quarter pounder twice a week. That's not yes. good for you. Well, that that's what makes me mad because some people can do that and it's it doesn't affect them at all. It it extends their long, longevity even. <laughs> me, I'm I'm looking at this picture of the Big Mac on my phone and I think my cholesterol's gone up 3 points looking at yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I can't imagine. I would I, I would be in awful shape if I ate that. Yeah, you're right, 71 years old. I would be in awful shape if I ate one of those a week, but the man is going back and he's getting two saying even here, he may go back in the same day and get another and complaining that they need to bring back the, and he puts it in all capital letters, fried, fried apple pies. Right. So um, like these burgers are not enough. The cheese is not enough. Give me some fried apple pie. I'm sure he's eating French fries and a Coke with it as well. <laughs> of course, man. What a man, Franklin Graham. I I saw that and it just kind of, you know, that just seems so random for him to post that out of all the, the stuff that he puts, just random. And it's not an ad is the thing. He just genuinely loves McDonald's hamburgers. <laughs> yeah, he does. So Franklin Graham has 10 million Facebook followers. 10 million. Uh, this post had 14,000 likes, 4,000 comments, and 652 shares. I mean, McDonald's has to be thrilled that 10 million people saw this post by Franklin, Franklin Graham. Well, yeah, free advertising. Yeah, uh, free advertising. For, for one, I don't know. See, McDonald's, they've been going through some changes lately, I guess, because... I don't know how much I knew about their new and improved burgers. I didn't either. I did read the other day that they've lost some money the last quarter mm. and they're going to try to go back and be more of like a value place like they, they used need to, be to be back in the day. They're they high. do. They're priced high. Maybe they could lead the charge. Now, look, I'm trying to get away from eating things like that, but a guilty pleasure of mine is a chicken McNugget. Very good. Let me tell you, if I tell you a gross story about a chicken McNugget, will you be able to eat them? I don't know what's actually in them anyway, and I've been eating okay. them all these years, so okay. let's go for this it. This has been probably 20 years ago. So my dad raised us. We lived with him, and so we ate out a lot for our meals. I mean, that's just what we did. And I can remember one night or one day for lunch, maybe a Saturday, uh, we went to McDonald's and got food. And me and my brother, Lucas, both got chicken McNuggets. Well, we were come home and we would eat them and we were sitting there eating our nuggets and I liked barbecue sauce. I think Lucas liked honey and he was dipping his nugget in honey and put a nugget in his mouth and screamed in pain and he spit out on his plate a chicken claw. Oh, yeah. I think, <laughs> it, chipped, I think it chipped his tooth. <laughs> Oh, man. We really wanted him to sue him, but he never would go through with it. 
So, so it wasn't just a bone or something. It was a chicken claw. It was an intact chicken claw. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So right there in that nugget. So that lets me know that it's a, it's a real chicken. There's some parts of the chicken in there. Yeah. Huh. I bet. uh, I don't know, man. That that's uh, a, you hope it is a chicken claw. I mean, because there are other animals that have claws. Well, eagle. <laughs> Could be an eagle claw. Could That's be an eagle claw. In the nuggets, eagles. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, you know, speaking of those chicken nuggets, things have just gotten bigger over time. I saw the other day. I went, you know, my, when the vid first started, mm-hmm. my, my daughter wanted some chicken nuggets for her yeah. dinner, so I went and picked them up for her, and I asked the guy on the uh, speaker thing, mm-hmm. "What sizes do these come in?" Yeah. And he's like, you can get a six piece, a 10 piece, a 20 piece, or a 40 piece. There's a 40 piece. There's now? a 40 piece nugget now. Oh. What kind, of, what kind of man <laughs> eats a 40 piece nugget? Well, it, and I don't think it costs too much, really. It seems, it seems like it's like 10 bucks or something. Oh, your whole wow. 40 piece. So, wow. Yeah. You'd have so, to get extra sauce for that. Yeah. You would. You would. Mm-hmm. Yep. 40 piece McNugget. That's crazy. I've done 20 pieces several times. Oh, yeah. That's my go to. (laughs) (laughs) So 20 piece. But you can get a 40 piece now. And I think it was, there was actually a picture of it on the uh, menu once I got to look. Wow. You know, I used to, when I coached football at Macquarie County, Macquarie Central, after a Friday night game, I would always stop at McDonald's because it was the only thing open and I would get me a 20 piece McNugget. And I would always say, I'd like barbecue sauce and I will pay for a few extra every time. That's, that was my go-to because I need, I need about five for a 20 piece. Yeah. So it never failed. They would never give me any sauce. (laughs) So I always, always have to choke down a 20 piece McNugget (laughs) with no sauce on the way home on Friday nights. Oh man. Well, Well, speaking of claws, (laughs) groundhog day. That just happened, right? Yeah, yeah, it did. And the groundhog saw his what? What he do? I, I know this is this is kind of like the bi-weekly thing. I don't know. <laughs> I never know what it means. Never do either. But if he sees a shadow or not, I I think this year whatever he did, it's supposed to be an early spring. Yes. Yeah, but I don't know what. I don't know no. what he did. Okay. So, but here's the thing we want to talk about. I'm not, do you know his name? Pucks, Puxatoni Phil. Okay. I, Puxa, I, can't, Puxa, I can't say it. Puxatoni. Puxatoni. Okay. Puxatoni. I don't so know. So here's, here's the complaint. PETA, this is on WKYT and I saw it on other outlets as well. PETA wants to replace Puxatoni Phil with a giant coin. He deserves better. A giant coin. A, so, co- a coin. <laughs> PETA. I don't even know what PETA stands for. It's like people eating something. I don't know. People that, that, for ethical treatment of animals. Okay. So it's not people eating animals. Right. Okay. Yeah. Those people, they don't want anything to happen to any animal. And this is the most harmless tradition 
a guy in a top hat picks up a groundhog and literally like holds him like, like he's giving him care he he's very gentle with him and the PETA people they don't like this they're like no let's flip a coin instead of making this groundhog look for a shadow here's their argument he is not a meteorologist and he deserves better than to be exploited every year for tourism money the huge coin could easily replace him as Pennsylvania town's gimmick to draw in tourists Today, Groundhog Day remains to uh, remains what it was when the tradition first came to our shores and found its way to. Okay, he's named after a town, Punxsutawney. Yeah, it's, it's in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. So they say they don't want to live. Talking about the groundhog, they don't want to live in the confinement in a local library where they can't do anything that's natural and important to them. They also don't want to be used. <laughs> to prognosticate the weather or to be exposed to flashing cameras, human handling, or noisy crowds. Well, let me just say something. A guy, a little groundhog, lives out back here. He's got a little hole in the ground in my neighbor's yard. Yeah. He's a pretty mangy looking fella. <laughs> I would imagine that he would absolutely love the life of Phil here. Yeah. <laughs> give, give me what Phil's having. Yeah. Right. If I took old groundhog in and took care of him and fed him and did all these things, he would have a better life, as good a life as Phil. But they want to place Phil with a giant coin. What I want to know is like what goes on in that PETA board meeting when they're like, hey, we've got to put an end to groundhogs being picked up one time a year for a show. What can we do to replace it? Somebody's like, I've got it. Let's flip a coin. And uh, not just a coin, a giant coin. <laughs> I wish like somebody would say, okay, let's do it. And they'd get like a 30 foot coin. <laughs> <laughs> and it you know, takes the whole town to flip. <laughs> How do you like that, Peter? Yeah. But you can't do anything with an animal. No, you without Pete, like, like, I don't even know if they really believe what they say. Sometimes it's just like they have to say something to take up for animals. Yeah. They don't, they don't want you eating animals. They don't want you having pets. They, yeah. I mean, you know, I worry about this every year that. So when it gets really cold out, we always bring our dog in. We set him up down in the basement. He doesn't want to be in. He's a big, heavy, fluffy dog that has a winter coat, and he is never happier than when it snows and he can lay in snow. But out of fear of PETA yeah. coming to my house and having me arrested for leaving my dog outside, we always bring him in every year when it gets, well, sub-zero temperatures. Yeah. But he loves it. That's his weather. He hates the summer. He's hot in the summer. He loves the cold. Just PETA's ruling the world, man. They they are. You, I don't know. You don't want to end up on the local news. You know, a local pastor leaves dog out in the snow. A local pastor leaves dog in the environment he's supposed to be in. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know about the, about the PETA people. I don't either. Wonder what they think about Franklin Graham and McDonald's. They probably don't like it. 
I wonder what they would think about a chicken claw being in a chicken nuggets. What I really want to know. Well, I'm sure sure they have a I'm sure they have a opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, we 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 need to make an opinion of this next thing. Speaking of opinions, yeah, probably. And from what I've listened to this morning and last night, when this question comes up, a lot of pastors say this is one of the greatest concerns of most church members if they've committed this act and not knowing it. But the question we're going to wrestle with a little bit is what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? I guess we can also phrase that. What is the unforgivable sin? Because Jesus ties those two things together. Yep. I don't know that we're going to have a clear answer because it's kind of a veiled thing, but I think we can add some wisdom to it. One of the things as I've studied this throughout life and I've, I've had to do some work on this for something. I can't remember if it was a sermon or what exactly it was, but I can remember a lot of commentators and things saying something like this. If you're worried about it, more than likely you've not done it. Yeah. That if it's yeah. something that you're thinking about, then that's clearly the spirits work in you and more than likely you haven't done it. Now RC Sproul said that he was asked that same kind of question and he said, well, I don't know that I would exactly say that, but probably a good thought is you've, you've, you're probably not done it, but I wouldn't yeah. say that with 100% certainty. Yeah, it, it's something that I've been asked a lot about over the years, especially times when we've had a Bible study or if I've given an opportunity for open questions. Usually this is something that, that comes up. What is it? And it comes from, I think Mark has it as well, but Matthew chapter 12, verses 30 through 32 says this, he who is not uh, with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the son of man it shall be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or the age to come. So Jesus makes it clear here that whatever this sin is, this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, you if you do it, you are not going to be forgiven. Yeah. Not here, not in the age to come. So people, it worries people when they see that. Sure. And you know, brings a lot of anxiety because they read something like that. And the first thought generally is, well, have I done that? Not known that I have done that. Have I committed this sin unaware? And now I can't receive forgiveness. Now, if someone came to you pastorally and asked that question, church member or whatnot, maybe you've preach this text or something like that. And they, they come up after the service in the handshake line or pull you aside and say something like, well, I'm a Christian. I don't know that I've committed this sin or not. So am I a Christian? What's your quick response going to be to that? Cause in, in those moments we have to have a quick response. We don't usually have time to sit down and work everything out, but what would your quick response be? Wondering if they've committed it. Yeah. I believe that, that there's a 
fairly straightforward answer with this, given the context. Mm-hmm. It is kind of kind of how I, I look at it. Being a, a Christian and committing this sin do not go together. So if you're a Christian, you're not going to commit this sin. I'm going to be careful about kind of letting the cat out of the bag here j- just Don't yet. Don't let it out. Don't let it out. <laughs> about what it is. Don't let promiscuity fill out of the bag yet. But going back to what you said with if if somebody's worried about committing it, then they're they've likely not. I tend to agree with that statement because this is a sin that is purposeful and intentional. And in order to commit it, this this isn't something you're going to stumble into. Right. You're not you're not going to accidentally do this. This is an intentional, purposeful, willful sin that someone commits. So so there's no accident to this. It's purposeful or nothing. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah. And even in the context of what we're looking at here in Matthew. In verse 23, it says, And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebub. Always thought that was a hilarious name. The prince of demons that this man can cast out demons. And then Jesus gives his warning soon after that. Do those two things tie together? What they were calling or accusing Jesus of in verse 24 and then later jesus response about blaspheming the spirit well first of all when you hear the name beelzebub what do you think about cinderella <laughs> i i think bohemian rhapsody that, that's a lyric oh, in bohemian they, rhapsody. yeah I don't they know have that know. phrase beelzebub has yeah, a devil put aside for me yeah but i think i think <laughs> i think it's cinderella because bippity boppity boo and I don't just—I don't know. It just—I don't know why I think of that. So you—you're talking about the uh, cartoon Cinderella. I, I was thinking right. of Tom Tom Kiefer and the boys. There. No, 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 no. The cartoon. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I—I I think this is a case where everything leading up to thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, the context. This context always determines meaning, right? But this definitely determines the meaning because of what's going on the conversation from which Jesus says what he says. And, you know, they're talking about a demon possessed man and this can't be, you know, this can't truly be the son of David. And then in verse 24, they make this statement. This man casts out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. So basically what they're saying is, Hey, you know, he, he's not doing the work of God. He's doing right. the work of Satan pretty much. So, so that, that's a clue to that. But if we didn't have these clues, you know, I have, I have a list here and I want to hear kind of what you want to, what you think about some of these, what some people think blasphemy of the Holy spirit is, but is actually not. Yeah. I think that, so I think the first thing that people think that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when they think of that is quenching the Holy Spirit, which, again, something that is, I, I guess, another thing that is given to people or a words in the scripture that people confuse or they just add whatever meaning 
that they want to that. And that's, of course, in First Corinthians 5. But when people talk about quenching the spirit, I think their minds go all the way back to, well, then if you're quenching the spirit, you're clearly blaspheming the spirit. I think people think that, I guess, as I grew up, in you know, I didn't grow up in the church, but once I, I came into the church early and, of course, became a believer, you have all the answers for everything. I believe I probably landed on unbelief. Mm, yeah, you know, that's, just, that's a big one. Just a life of unbelief is quenching the spirit, or not quenching the spirit, but, but blaspheming the spirit that you've kind of, again, it was very, not very theological, but you've lived a life where the spirit of Christ is trying to penetrate you and you keep pushing it off. You know, I always kind of thought that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people, and I, I've heard that a lot with like, that's the only sin Jesus didn't die for is your right unbelief. So if you right. die in unbelief, then that can't be forgiven. Therefore it's the unpardonable sin. Right. Right. And I think that's the majority probably that what would, that would believe that. Yeah. Uh, another one I, I've heard before is suicide because oh, it, yeah. if you commit suicide, you don't have an opportunity to repent of that. Mm hmm. And uh, R.C. Sproul in his book, Chosen by God, he he gave two, and I don't know where he got these from as far as saying that a lot of people thought these, but the two main ones he put that were not correct were, number one, murder, because yeah. the Holy Spirit is a life-giving force. If you mm -hmm. take away the life of somebody, therefore you are committing blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And the other one was adultery. Because some people say, well, you know, the body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a uh, adultery was a capital offense in the Old Testament. Yeah. Therefore, that's what some people uh, say as well. So you have murder, adultery, suicide, dying in unbelief. All these things are answers mm -hmm. that people will give you, but none of those seem to be what it is. None of those fit with the context here. Uh, just practically, if. Murder and adultery, or if that's it, David's in trouble. King David, so yeah, a lot of a lot of trouble there, and I don't think that's biblical. Um, <laughs> yep, so. absolutely. So you know, everybody has an idea, and why do you think that uh, people come up with so many different things with that? Is it? I think. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I think in this case, it's because it's not spelled out. Yeah. Like in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about murder there. And he says, if you hate someone in your heart, it's just like murder. Well, that's spelled out. Mm -hmm. Here, Jesus just says blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is kind of, I don't want to say awkward phrase anyway, but that's not something that we hear very often. Yeah. One, so we have this this unfamiliar phrase, and then he's just talking about, hey, if you do this, you're not going to be forgiven, and he, and he never goes and says, this is exactly what it is. So it, this is something that has to be pulled from the context. It's not spelled out in black and white. So because of that, uh, people take their best guesses, and when you start doing that, you get all kinds of theology. Yeah, yeah. So meology. We get a lot of meology. Yep. And I just came up with that. So <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Pretty good. 
<laughs> so we read a text like this, say we're in our daily Bible reading and we read a text like this, not really digging into study context or anything like that. We come to verse 31. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. We freak out a little bit and we think, oh my gosh, I wonder if I've done that. We quit our daily Bible reading. We shut our Bibles and we sit and think all day of, have I blasphemed the Holy Spirit anywhere in my life? And then we begin to make up all the different things that it could be instead of getting into the context of scripture and seeing what it actually is. So let's look at this text. And as I just read it, these, these thoughts popped into my head. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven of people. And I think even I listened to a little R.C. Sproul about this before, and I'm sure it's in his book, Chosen by God, in that section you're talking about. But he talks about Jesus being on the cross and even forgiving those. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Forgiving those that had sinned against him, sinned against Jesus while he was on the cross, asking forgiveness of those. We see throughout the scriptures, people sinning against the holiness of God, yet they are forgiven. But now Jesus has taken this third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and said, blasphemy against him is the unforgivable sin. Yeah. So let me read a few other verses leading up to when Jesus talks about that, and then I'll give you how Sproul summarizes it, and wh- okay. which, I, which I agree with. But. Jesus is talking with the Pharisees. Jesus, you know, does miraculous work. He, he's healing people. The man that previously couldn't speak now speaks. And the Pharisees are they're trying to figure out what's going on. And they made that statement. This man casts out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And then verse 25, it says, and knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, now, he didn't even hear them say that. He knew what they were thinking. Here's what he says. Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and any city or house divided against itself will not stand. So he, he's talking about uh, a continuity here, certain things in, in the same place being against it, being divided. And he goes on to say, explain it like this. If I, by Beelzebub, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? So Jesus is saying, you are saying that I'm doing the work of Satan by the power of Satan, when instead you need to understand that I'm working by the Spirit of God. So these Pharisees were attributing the work of God, the work of the Spirit of God, to Satan is what they were doing. And I think maybe in in some Bibles between verse 29 and 30, there might be a, a break or a new paragraph or okay. something, but this is still the same thing. So he's yeah. still in the same conversation, keeps keeps talking. He who's not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, anytime you see a therefore in scripture, you need to ask, why is it therefore? Mm-hmm. So it's a good, good rule of thumb. So he's saying, therefore, because of everything he just said, all the stuff I've just said about Satan, therefore, I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall 
be forgiven, but the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven. So the reason he says that in verse 31 is because of the conversation before. And Sproul sums it up in this way. He says, I agree with the New Testament scholars who conclude that the unforgivable sin is to blaspheme Christ and the Holy Spirit by saying Jesus is a devil when they know better. Mm-hmm. That is, the unforgivable sin cannot be done in ignorance. If a person knows with certainty that Jesus is the Son of God and then declares with his mouth that Jesus is of Satan, that person has committed un doable blasphemy or I, i'm sorry not undoable unpardonable blasphemy so he's saying a person knows who jesus is they understand he's the son of god and they purposefully willfully say he's working for satan so that's that's kind of a summary of what it actually is do you agree with that do you think that's that summarizes what jesus is saying here yeah i do and so Let's let's put more context on this than what's just here in the text. Throughout the gospel accounts, you have Jesus continually telling the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that he is the Son of God. And not only does he tell them that he's the Son of God, but he does works to prove that he is the Son of God, miracles, healings, things of that nature, over and over again. And he has just done this in our text, the cast out a demon out of a man. And then this question again, as you said, comes up, though, you've done this by the power of Beelzebub, Beelzebul. And I like what he says. He gives that parable that you read here in the text about the strong man's house. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Well, what Jesus is doing in that parable is saying the reason that these people that I'm this man that I cast a demon out of the reason he has a demon in him is because he's under the influence and the power of Satan. And to overcome that, I must overcome the strong man who is in his house. He used to work bind him. I must bind his power and then show victory over this. And then the warning that he's giving to the Pharisees who, again, remember who these people are, the people that he has said he is the son of God to, the people that he has showed that he is the son of God through his power. He is saying, you're saying that the works I'm doing are of the devil. You know better. So they know better because they are the teachers of the law. You know better than this. You can look at the scriptures and you can clearly see who I am, but you're denying that and saying I am doing the works of the devil. That is, friends, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and you ought to be careful for what you say, especially when you attribute the works of the devil to the works of the Son of God. Absolutely. So. In our context today, that would be maybe similar to someone who has been to church. Maybe they've been a church member for years. Maybe they even taught a Sunday school class, things like that. And then one day, it's not even as much, hey, I don't believe it anymore. It's, you know what, this this whole Jesus thing. And and they go go down this this path of speaking terrible about him when, when they know better. Yeah. You know, Jesus isn't. 
you can't tr- they're not denying his existence or anything but but just speaking against him I, i'm thinking in particular i saw a video the other day of a well-known pastor his his son who mm-hmm. is very openly uh, against yeah. anything religious or anything anymore I, i'm thinking in the context of, of that yeah so and and he's purposeful in, in what he does people who would do this would be purposeful this is not something that you're going to accidentally do one day Right. This is you knowing better, you knowing the gospel, you knowing who Jesus is, and then sp- speaking purposefully against him, attributing his work to the the work of Satan. Yeah, and I know it's not written here, but even with that illustration you just gave, I know what you're ta- who you're talking about there. Leading people astray, using words, or and I know R.C. had said, R.C. Sproul had said, that you know the blasphemies either it has to be verbal or written even just by the definition of what blasphemy is to use those things to lead people away from christ and that's the argument that jesus is making throughout the gospels that the pharisees and sadducees are doing you're putting burdens there that are not necessary even when he gives the woes to the pharisees he talks about them leading people astray and you so then attributing the works of Satan to Christ knowingly with the intention to draw and lead people away from Jesus. Yep. And uh, I, I wish I could. I read an example of someone the other day that. I was thinking it it was in this book, but either way, it was somebody that would seem like that they were committing blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and and whoever it was was saying, "No, I'm I'm not convinced that's what it was because it wasn't a willful thing, whatever they were doing." And you know, there's a text in Hebrews ten twenty six that says this: "For if we willfully, I'm sorry, if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth." There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversary. So that kind of couples with it, you knowing the truth and then willfully sinning after. But blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, again, it's not just a any sin. It is very specific, mm-hmm. uh, speaking out against Christ attributing his works to the work of Satan when you know better and you know that that's not what's what's going on. So so you're not going to stumble into this. You're going to want to commit. I mean, just think of the the prideful, brazen heart you'd have to have to do this. Yeah. And even I think Derek Thomas said that it was a Puritan view. It was the Puritan view that said that this was some this wasn't broad. This wasn't a broad thing, but this was a very pointed thing that you could point to. This is when this happened. And I think that's ultimately the view that me and you are aligning with today. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of it goes along with like Romans one, where God gives people over to a reprobate mind. If you're to this point and your heart is this hard, you know, there's not going to be any coming back from you. God right. has has removed some restraints of grace with you and letting you experience the uh, 
the consequences of your own sin. If you've gotten to the point where you know who Jesus is mm-hmm. and you, with your hard heart, blaspheme against him and the Holy Spirit by by saying these these things on purpose, then then you're to the point where where you're not coming back from that. God's God's gave you over and you're already experiencing judgment. So again, I just want to make that point. You're not going to stumble into this. You may have said some things wrong about the Holy Spirit before or you know a lot of different things. If you have, turn from it and and know who he is and and continue on, but just know that you're not going to accidentally commit this one day. Yeah. So let me ask you, this is, and we're kind of about to run out of time, but this thought just popped in my head. Of course, we have these hard texts in Hebrews chapter six about apostasy. Do you believe that's where that's headed? That's where that's, that's where that's at. I know that's, that's a very loaded question to ask right here on the spot. Uh, Back in the day, if I did the uh, open question stuff, yeah. I had one church member who would always ask that from Hebrews 6. Uh-huh. And so I'd always preface it with saying, you can ask anything except about this thing from Hebrews 6 because it is so loaded. Yeah, it, I, I can't ask about that. Well, <laughs> I, I, I think it's it's a dire warning, mm-hmm. and, and it's it's intended to be a, a warning about not falling away. Yeah. I think a lot of people think that it's, I don't know if hypothetical is the right word, but just saying if, if you did fall away, you know, there, there's no, there's no hope for you, but a true Christian is not going to fall away right, is, right. is, is what they're getting at. But um, I, I think the point in all of it is you've got to guard yourself and you've got to make sure you don't fall away. You, you have a duty to, to persevere and to seek the Lord and, and to grow things like that. So it's, it's a true warning. If somebody actually ends up being apart from Christ, they were never with him anyway. But if you are a Christian and all of a sudden, you know, you don't have a desire for the word anymore, you don't care about church, you don't care about, you know, anything to do with Christ, and you're starting to kind of get those things in your heart, you know, guard yourself. Mm-hmm. Know, know that you are heading toward a path of falling away and proving you were never of him anyway. If you see that, you know, turn from that, confess that and uh, start following Christ again. Let me ask you one more question. And we'll, we'll close with this answer. Okay. So like we kind of preferenced and open this, this section of our podcast with a lot of people worry about this. A lot of people worry that they've committed the unpartable or unforgiven sin. They blaspheme the spirit. What? advice or what can you point them to if they're struggling with these thoughts? If you're struggling with the thoughts, understand that that in and of itself is grace from God, that you are troubled by sin, that you are troubled with not following after Christ as you should. And if that's a point where you are in life. Chalk that up to the grace of God and confess what you need to confess. Turn from that and ask God to restore the joy of your salvation and begin to walk with him anew. 
the danger is when people are going down a road apart from Christ and they don't care. They have no desire to come back. They have no desire to, to know his word, to be with his people, anything like that. Then that's an issue in and of itself showing that you were never genuine to begin with. But if you actually do care, then, then know that that's, that's the grace of God, that that's his mercy. And talk to him, confess your sin, turn from, from that and follow Christ and, you know, keep following him day by day. So that would be my advice for that. It's it's a good thing to have any, anything within you that is helping you say, Hey, this, what I'm doing is not right. What I'm doing isn't lining up to what it needs to be. That's a good thing. A, a bad place to be is when you don't care at all when you're purposefully speaking against Christ, when you're purposefully living against him, have no desire to come back, don't care at all. That's uh, that's a scary place to be, my friend, if that's where you are. But if you can hear his voice through the word at all, come back, come back right now. Thanks for listening to the Halfway There Cast, a production of Halfway There Ministry. Visit our website, halfwaytheirministries.org, where you will find resources to help you follow Christ on your way home, as well as information about how to find us on social media and read our blog. We are serving Christ on our way home and trying to help others on their way. We are halfway there.